be the man philosophy wished you to be. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum, and producer Marcus Sassin on the podcast today. That's right. Season three is kicking off with a little Q&A with me and the producer that's been behind the scenes for all of season two. Marcus is going to join us today. Today, we're going to talk about a little bit of reviewing season two, some of the lessons we've learned, some of the coolest things of season two, and what we look forward to doing in season three. Uh, I finished it off with a little Q&A talking about some of the light therapy stuff that I've been doing and how to sprint without a ton of space in our 600 square foot little dungeon that we have here in Minnesota and freezing out right now. It's about 10 degrees outside. As we talked about in the podcast, you're going to notice a new intro music that's just about to hit right after I'm done talking in my little spiel. You'll notice a new cover photo and hopefully we continue to progress with the weirdest and the best guest on this podcast for season three. So thank you guys for supporting us for all of season two. Can't wait to take this to Mars. Let's get it. Hit the intro music, baby. is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite level guests to unravel what high performance really is. All right. Well, today, podcast listeners, we have the guy we've mentioned for 52 episodes of the guy behind the scenes. And now he's finally joining for season three, the start of season three. We got Marcus joining us. Marcus, what's up, brother? How you guys doing? I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to have you on. So today we're going to talk a little bit on um, my kind of goal with this podcast and kind of outline what future podcasts are going to look like is kind of recap season two, what we thought was good, what we thought was bad, what we thought was ugly. Talk about season three a little bit. Um, talk about how you and I are going to be doing a little bit more of this some question and answer type stuff, uh, creating some round tables, doing that type of stuff, and then hitting some main points and finishing with question and answer. How's that sound? That sounds beautiful. Let's jump right into it. Let's do it. All right. So season two, just recapping very briefly, I would love to know what you thought the good, the bad, and the ugly was for you first, and then I can kind of bounce off of that. Yeah, for sure. So season two was great. It was a learning experience, both personally and professionally for me. Um, you know, we started doing it almost about a year and like a month ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when we started doing it because uh, I remember I had just quit my job and I had a lot of free time and it was winter break. And I texted you and I said, you know, Austin, let's crush content. Because before we started doing the podcast, I was just doing video work. And so I remember texting you and saying, let's just do as much content as possible. And you hit me up and you were like, let's do a podcast. And I was like, do you know how to do that? And you're like, no, I was like, we figured it out. We were like, we don't know how to do that, but let's just try it. Let's see what happens. And so from the very first episode that we did of season two, that was all just guessing work and me kind of like figuring it out as I went, looking up YouTube videos, looking up tutorials, trying to figure all that out. And then as we got like went through the 52 episodes, hopefully uh, you guys, listeners were able to like listen to the difference um, and see how everything sounded and the kind of professional growth that we had over the course of the season. Um, and so I think the roughest part about season two, like the ugly, is just looking back on the very first few episodes. Because for me personally, we didn't have that rhythm yet. We didn't have a good system going on. Um, I was still trying to make the social posts out of like a third party app on my phone. Um, and so I was doing that on the subway, like on the light rail going down to the U. And um, it was a little rocky. We had a, lot, a little bit of a rough start. But I think as time went on, we got into a habit. Um, we started developing really good systems to kind of keep the podcast going. And I, I think it turned into a really positive experience. Yeah. And I dude, that 100% agree there. Um, anybody, anybody like all anybody has to do is look at our Instagram posts from the start. And you could see it was like, oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh, that's closer closer. And then we just hit our stride rolling. And once we hit our stride, so I just finished this book principles. um, And it's all about building up the systems. And like you mentioned, like the start, it was, we were struggling to find guests, we were struggling, I would shoot you over like, the podcast content late. And then you were still figuring out how to do the like, editing, I sent it to you late, you're still trying to figure it out. And we're like, posting on random days and doing it. And by the end, like, we'd have three podcast, we had three podcasts in the bank. By the end, we were able to send it over have everything produced in one day. And not only was it faster, but it was much cleaner. Like I felt proud of everything that we did in season two towards the end. And like the social media posts, like especially towards the end when we did that recap, like when we took our social media posts, I felt to the next level for us. I thought that was really, really cool. 
I really enjoyed it too. I think it's been a, a really fun experience kind of learning how to do the social posts um, from like a producer side of things. Um, before my experience producing anything was really minimal. It was basically what I learned in one classroom and I was able to take what I learned there and just kind of run with it. And it was like, let's just try things out. If it works, great. And if it doesn't, oh, well, move on. Like, we'll just keep on keeping on. And so... The social post where we started, I think that was where I was just throwing things at the wall. And I was like, let's see if it sticks. No, it didn't stick. All right, well, let's move on. Let's try it out. And we tried a different thing. And I really like that process of elimination, um, just figuring out what works, what doesn't. I think that's really fun. And that's what makes the creative process just a, a joy to do. So... Um, yeah, the social posts, especially by the end, I was really proud of them as well. We had some more motion graphics happening um, towards like the very, very last season two recap social posts that we did. And I was really proud of those. So definitely we saw some some growth there and I'm really proud of it. Well, and I think that's one of the best things about kind of our partnership we've had through all of this, through Anatomy Tuesdays, through like our original pictures that we've taken, like is that I think we're both willing to look like idiots at the start because we know we have to like i think that's probably the best part of like what you and i do is we both we just we attack it with what what we have at the time knowing we're going to grow and it takes us a little bit it probably takes a little bit long but we're, we're producing we're going on the run rather than the process of like not getting started you know and i think that's a lot of people that they they don't start because they don't want to look like the idiot at the beginning we talk about that a lot but it's like i think you and i do a really nice job of we, we understand. It's not like we put something out and it's like, we think that's the bee's knees. It's like, we understand where we're at, but we have to put it out to feel the problems. Principles, again, is all about the problem is a gift because the problem allows you to dive deeper into that and then fix it. But if you don't create the problem, then, you, then you're never going to be able to evolve to what you want to evolve to. Exactly. And I think... For me personally, I really struggle with doing that in like my day-to-day -day life um, or any projects that I'm working on. It's really nerve-wracking to think about, all right, well, if I throw this and it doesn't work, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? Like, what if it fails? What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't look good? Because I don't want to produce something that looks bad and have my name attached to it. And that's what I really like about our partnership is I might have those moments and I might shoot over a video that I might be a little iffy about like, Hey, let's try this thing. And you'll respond and be like, listen, I like it. Um, but maybe now's not the right time. Or you'll be like, yeah, I love it. Let's full send it. Let's, let's shoot it over. And I'm like, I don't know if it's the right. And you're like, let's do it. So, um, I really like that about our partnership. Cause that's something that I personally struggle with is just kind of executing and then producing the content, um, which is kind of a, a bad habit for a producer, but, um, <laughs> like that's just something that I personally struggle with. So I'm glad that we have you, um, to kind of push me forward to make the content better. And I think another good part about the season two that I really want to mention before we get onto what we're looking forward to doing in season three is the amount of connections that 52 guests, or I guess it was 50 guests brought on, like that was such a cool part of the entire podcast part is the, the only reason I went into this is one, to experiment in the podcast realm, but two, to like talk to people that I wanted to talk to and get a hold of. And the amount of connections and people that I would have never met or never had access to that we now suddenly were granted access to because we had a podcast, you know, like you and I are figuring this out and we just tell somebody we have a podcast. We're just able to talk to masterminds in the field. I thought that was one of the coolest parts of this entire thing is I got to talk to 52 masters of a field for free. And then we put out content for that. And I'm able to learn and grab those ideas and, and craft it into my own way. And I was like, this is such a cool kind of realm of, of connection building. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things about podcasting in general. Um, it's just making those networking connections and you get to kind of collaborate with other coaches. Um, and that's been really fun for me to listen to because when we have different guests on, everybody has a different background, a different perspective. And something that I really like listening to this podcast about when I'm editing is just listening to like the coaches' perspectives on how they became coaches. I think everybody has such a different background in how they got or how they went from A to Z and how they got to become the coach that they are. And that's been su such a interesting process to hear about. Because um, whether you're into strength training or not, that whole process just it can relate to anything that you're doing. Um, and so listening to 50 connections and 50 people talking about their life experiences, what they've learned, maybe their failures and what they've learned from those. It's just been a super humbling experience in some ways. And it makes me really excited to keep those connections up and to talk to more people and to kind of collaborate with more coaches just to see, just to meet new people. You know what I mean? No, I'm, I'm, I'd love that you brought up that point too, because that 
I know there's podcasts out there. They're like, all right, we're skipping all the background stuff because we want to get into the meat and potatoes. And and like those podcasts have their points. But like you said, like one of my favorite things, like I almost get more out of their storytelling than the meat and potatoes. Like I feel like the storytelling of their of their struggles and their process to get to where they're at. And some coaches love talking about that more than others. But like, when you get a really good story, you're like, man, like, like you said, like that can be applied to whatever you want to do. Like, it doesn't have to be such sports performance, like into one realm. Like that's just being a high level human. Exactly. And so for me, like my strength training knowledge is very minimal. And so for me, those are the, that's my favorite part of the podcast is listening to those stories. And I I think in a lot of ways you can just relate them to whatever you're doing and it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, you can be young, you can be older. It doesn't really matter. And I think that's just what appeals to me personally as just a listener. And so that's, those are the parts that I really like, like editing and really paying attention to, to make sure that those kind of shine. Yeah. And the, the other part I wanted to mention before we go on to season three is anybody looking to do a podcast out there, one of the biggest personal growths for me and I, Marcus, I know you have your podcast too and your content creation that you have, but the ability to craft your speaking and craft your questioning. I thought that like, I am nowhere near the best interviewer in the world and noticing that and listening to that. And now you're looking at when I listen to the best interviewers in the world, like the Tim Ferriss, the Joe Rogan's, now you pick up on what they're trying to do and how they're trying to dig and noticing the different realm of, all right, now this is making me a better speaker. This is making me a better listener. This is making me somebody that's able to dive in and get to somebody's story. And now you're paying attention to those things. Like I would have never paid attention to many of the habits that I had. Like one of the, I can't remember what it's, I mean, it might've been like, ah, shoot. I was during the podcast beginning of COVID, I was trying to give people verbal cues that I had heard them. So you would say something and I would say, I would laugh or say something like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Just to try and give them verbal cues. And I noticed that listening to a couple of them. I'm like, oh my goodness, like I need to stop doing that. So now when they were doing that, I forced myself to mute. So even if I did say yeah, without paying attention, it would be muted. And I would nod my head at them. And I would try to give them body like communicate through my body language rather than communicate through my language. So it's not just jacking up the podcast where they're saying something really good. And I interject and say, yeah, which I thought was really like the awareness that the podcast brings was really cool for me. And I want to go like two different directions with that. Cause I got some things to say, but the first one you can definitely hear when you say like the, yeah, yeah stuff. I was uh, doing a social post when we were doing the recap and I noticed like two different clips. I had to edit it out again. And I was like, I don't remember like hearing all the yeah, yeahs and stuff in the background. I was like, that's Austin. I was like, what? what's going on here? And so I had like edited out and stuff for the recap, but I was laughing because I just thought it was, it was funny to like look back on that and be like, all right, we've definitely grown. Um, and to go the other direction that I wanted to go with what you just said, um, listening is such a, a vital part of podcasting, whether you're just starting or whether you're experienced in it. Um, everybody thinks if you go to, if you go up to somebody random and you're like, I podcast, they always have like a few questions. First, it's like, why? Or like you think you're hip or something like that. Right. But then they just think you talk a lot and you just record yourself. Sometimes that's true. But (laughs) I feel like 90% of the time, what you're doing when you're podcasting is talking to other people and just listening. And a really good podcast does a really good job of listening to what the guest has to say and then responding to questions based off of what they're talking about. Um, It's not necessarily something that you should plan out. Um, I know that we sometimes have outlines for the podcast that like have bullet points of what we want to talk about just to make sure that we can hit everything that we want to hit. But um, we don't go in depth and write down like all of our questions and be like, let's answer A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then just kind of transition roughly. Um, I think it's really important to let the guests take the podcast, whichever way they want to go and just to listen, hear them out. And I think that's what makes a podcast really good most of the time. And I think one thing that I, so I read this book awareness, which is basically paying attention to everything that you do. And one thing the podcast has really helped me with is understanding if I'm in the moment and connecting there, because if I find myself in awareness, but if I find myself bored during a podcast or fidgeting or thinking about something else, it's like, you're not here. Like you're not paying attention in the moment. You're not listening to what that person is saying. And that's something that I've continually now 
focused on. And, and now it like brings me back is like, if you're bored during the podcast, that is your fault. It's like you are not listening to that person's story. They are telling you something. You should be able to find some wonder or something. And there, there are tougher guests. Like that, that was one of the things too, is like there has been tough guests and there's been guests that literally I say hi and they talk for three hours and it's great. And there's tough guests, but even with that tough guest, like you should never be bored or lost in the moment. You should be there. And if you're there, that makes that podcast just so much better. I agree. So what I study in college is communications. And so um, my study is obviously mass communications. That's why I'm producing, but I have taken a lot of interpersonal communication classes, which is just basically going off of like your relationship with other people. And it's like more one-on-one kind of scenarios. And I think whenever you have a situation like a podcast where you have somebody that's like a host that is constantly there um, that your like listeners can kind of relate to that person almost creates their identity over time, right. Over the course of the entire podcast. And then you have like guests who the person might know, but they also might be complete strangers. Um, over the course of season two, we had people on that we knew, but we've also had a lot of guests on that we didn't know um, until like we recorded the podcast. And I think those tougher guests even when they're talking and it might be that they're shy or maybe that they're nervous because they're being recorded or whatever the case may be, whatever they're talking about though, is still really important to them. And so like, if you get bored or you're like, this is, this is bad. And you start like kind of trailing off in your mind, you have to like really kind of re- reset, st- like stay in the moment because whatever they're talking about is going to be really important to them. And there's always like nuggets of truth that or not nuggets of truth necessarily, I'm not saying they're lying, but like there's nuggets in there that will help you kind of carry that conversation on and like progress forward. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's definitely like there are times when people talk a lot and then there are times where people like are a little quieter, but regardless, like listening is 90% of it and being aware of yourself in the moment. It's definitely a big part of podcasting too. And one of the other points, and I keep saying before we go on to season three, but you keep triggering some thoughts. One of the coolest things of season two for me and what has helped me a ton in my own career. And I honestly, I think other than connections, this was the most powerful part of the podcast for me was talking to people that have been my childhood, like heroes in a sense in the field. And now you bring them on and talk to them and you realize they're people, you know? And I think that's one of the coolest things is they're people. When you talk to them, it's like, all right, they make mistakes. They're processing it this way. And now Rather than it's almost like it it grows your critical thinking in a sense, because now you're talking to this person and rather than taking what they say, like, God, you're able to have the conversation with them and realize they're also questioning everything they're saying. And you're going with this back and forth and you're on the same level in a sense. Some people have succeeded more, but brain wise now it allows me to. All right. These people are just critically thinking and they're putting out what they believe that does not mean it's right. And I came from a background and I think a lot of strength conditioning and sports performance and a lot of other fields too, but are from the background of the expert says this, you think that like you need to take that. And now it's through this podcast has been the expert says this, where's the truth there? Where does that fit what you think? Where does that fit what you believe is true? And where doesn't it? Now you can question these things rather than being like, all right, I believe this because this guy said that. Well, that's not a very good reasoning. And I, I, it's just something that the podcast has really ingrained in me and really helped me. Now, I, now I'm much better at putting forth what I believe, right or wrong. It's what I believe in this moment. It can change. It cannot change. But it's what I believe in this moment through my studies and through everything that I work with. I totally agree. Um, something that I like to do, and I don't necessarily get to meet a lot of my like, uh, heroes are people that I looked up to a lot, but what I'll do is I'll go on YouTube or whatever, and I'll look up like interviews with the people that I look up to. Uh, so for example, I'm a big reader and one of my favorite authors is Stephen King. And so Stephen King goes on lots of different interviews around new England. Um, and he talks about writing and like what he does. And I personally really like listening to those interviews because he's very candid in a lot of moments. Um, and he talks about like a, what makes him a writer and like what he has done and his failures and like why he succeeded the way he succeeded, but just listening to him talk in like public speaking setting, it really like lowers him from being like the Stephen King, the author to like Steve. Um, and like, it's really interesting to hear that because you can definitely take what they're saying um, and be like, all right, how, how do I implement that into my life? I recently did it with um, 
I forget his name. It's the director of The Lighthouse. Um, I really like kind of these indie movies. Um, that's typically where I find a lot of like the directors or producers that I inspire to be like. Um, and so there's a movie called The Lighthouse and it's a really artistic movie. And I was fascinated by how they made it. And so I watched like five different interviews with the director and he kind of walked through his process and like listening to him talk in a public setting. Cause I feel like that's different from like an interview setting or like even just a podcast where it's one-on-one, but like when they're just talking um, about their process and what they're doing, especially if it's a very casual conversation, there's so many nuggets that they drop that you can just take and be like, all right, this person that you hold so highly, like they're giving you the tools to succeed. And you just need to implement that into your own workflow or your own like personal life. And that can be very useful to you. And I think it's really interesting. Yeah. And I love the point that you said, um, read it in the book illusions yesterday. And it's, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember this she's background story, but the quote is I'll take the truth wherever I find it. And it's basically like you said, like that indie film, like whoever it is and wherever, whatever the thing, like you just grab that nugget of truth, you take it and you use it. It doesn't matter. You find it on the back of a cereal box or you find it in that, that, that podcast, or whatever you're doing, but you can find the truth everywhere if you're looking for it. And a lot of people uh, kind of shut their brains off to that. It's just like, you can read a book in two ways. Like you have all the answers to that book and you're not going to listen or like, Harry Potter can teach you the, 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 the lessons to life. And there's two ways to take that. Now I want to transition a little bit to our season three. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to start off with your thoughts on where our growth factors are, um, what we're kind of going to be implementing, anything that you think uh, we're going to try out type doing, and then go from there. What season three is going to look like. I'm excited for season three. I think uh, we're starting in a really good spot. We obviously have the systems in place from season two that we can kind of carry over. We have a schedule and um, you and I obviously have a good workflow that we've been doing. So I think carrying that over to season three is going to be super important. Um, As for our growth, I just want to create the best content possible. And if that catches five people, in my opinion, as long as those five people are really getting something out of it, that's a win. Um, If it's getting 5,000 people, that's also great. So in terms of growth, I have no number in my head that says, all right, this is a personal goal for me. Um, I just like seeing my content being like viewed um, by people from all over. Um, So in terms of growth, I don't have anything specifically in mind. And I think that you might have a different answer for that one than I do. But um, in terms of like things that I want to do differently, I want to do the social post a little bit differently. I think that there's a lot of room to grow there. Looking at the template that we have for season two, um, I think in a lot of ways, it looked really great, especially once we kind of focused in on it and we were producing it constantly. Uh, I think it looked really great. I just think there's room to improve. So something that I really would like to do is do more video stuff. Um, Obviously, COVID has kind of prevented us from being in the same room as a lot of people and a lot of room of our guests. In a lot of ways that helped us in season two, because we were able to connect with a lot of coaches who aren't even from Minnesota. Um, And so that was a major plus. But um, our podcast is mainly audio focused right now. And I think that if we get some kind of video, we could post it on YouTube or post it on Instagram. And we get this kind of different level of interaction between you, the guest, and whoever's listening. Um, So I think getting more video content out there is definitely important. And implementing that into our social media posts will also exponentially help help our growth. Yeah. And the, uh, the other thing we talk about growth just a little bit, like you guys just heard our sick new intro we made. Um, so Marcus, Marcus told me that I had to go to um, a freelancer, get a professional intro made. So there's some cringy parts. It's a little radio-ish like, but I think it's pretty dope. I like it. I think it's professional. Now we have our normal intro. We got that noise drop. Eventually, we want to progress to like the Joe Rogan intro, but I, I thought that was professional. I thought that was cool looking. We got an outro coming, so you guys better listen to the end because we paid for that outro. So make sure you guys listen to that because it's cool too. Uh, and then I thought um, you freaking crushed. You and Lauren um, crushed. Lauren's our marketing lead for us as well. Uh, and you guys crushed our uh, new logo. So I think that's going to be sick too. Dropping that logo and showing everybody the logo. I think that's going to be awesome. Yeah, that logo took, uh, it didn't take long to kind of make. Um, and I was really glad to work with Lauren because personally, um, when I'm creating and I'm trying to do things like a cover photo, I have all these ideas in my head and I kind of go through this like ADHD moment of like, we should do this. And then halfway through, I'm like, no, 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 let's do this instead. And like, I kind of jot down way too many ideas at once. Um, and so Lauren was really useful because uh, I was talking to her, spitting all these ideas, throwing it all at the wall. And she'd be like, 
all right, let's do this. Or actually let's run with this idea. And she would help like direct me, um, and kind of put me in the direction that I need to go to create like a really solid cover. And, uh, by the time we were done with, I think we were on like a two hour, uh, two hour zoom call uh, when we were creating it. By the time we were done with that two hour zoom call, we had a super solid foundation for what we wanted to make. And then it just came as like a, a refinement period where we were like, all right, let's change this a little bit, maybe change the color of this a little bit. Um, and it got into the more detail oriented stuff. So that cover photo, I mean, I'm really excited about it. It's definitely an upgrade over the black and white one that we had for season two. Um, and I hope you guys like it as well. Yeah. Uh, thinking of our other goals. Um, one thing that we want to talk about is trying to get a sponsor for season three. So this is your plug right now, sponsor people listening, that if you are interested in sponsoring Yoakam Strength season three, this would be the time to reach out to us, correct? Mm -hmm. This is the perfect time. I think, um, well, really anytime is the perfect time, but (laughs) um, for sure, it's easy enough uh, to get a sponsor, like a plug in the podcast in some way, shape or form. We obviously have two different segments. Um, so if you're considering sponsoring the program in any way, um, I think the best spot for it is right before our rapid fire rounds, which I hope we do continue in season three. That's one of oh, my yeah. favorite aspects. Um, but yeah, sponsorships, we're excited about it. We definitely want to work with you guys. So go ahead and reach out. And I think the, the only other part for season three that I can think of off the top of my head is kind of our layout with episodes. So we talked, Marcus and I talked, we, we, you and I, when we brought up that meeting, like I felt that was an awesome meeting. You and I were flowing, bouncing back ideas. And that's where we came up with a lot of it. It was like two hour meeting with that too, talking about our direction for season three, but talking about going in a direction of doing a three, almost a four, four different types of episodes. One of the types of episodes is returning guests, um, guests that crush season two that I feel like, man, we got to get them back on selfishly. I want to talk to them again. So we have returning guests. Second one is kind of the round table, trying to get a consistent group of past guests that you have listened to before. And now we sit in a round table and we just discuss a topic rather than an interview in a sense, we're discussing a topic, trying to get to the bottom of something. The third is something like this, where Marcus and I are spending some time doing a question and answer, talking about it, getting Marcus more involved rather than just behind the scenes and uh, creating a more question and answer rotation of our podcast. And then finally, sticking with what we have done in the past and trying to get the weirdest and the best guest onto our podcast to kind of dive into sports performance. So when you hear different types of episodes, that's kind of what our goal is season three, trying to experiment with some of those things. And I'm really looking forward to those episodes. I think we're going to get a lot of variety out of that. And um, I look forward to meeting. um, I know we're going to have a few episodes with Mark Amick and stuff. And we used to all work on Anatomy Tuesdays. So that's going to be really great to get the the gang back together for that. I think it's also going to be great to meet a lot of the different coaches um, and hear what they have to say um, and be a part of those conversations as well. So I'm really excited to be a little bit more involved. Um, Obviously, I'm a little nervous right now because it's the first episode that we've done. Um, but I think as time goes on, we'll see some growth and that'll be great. I love that. Anything else yeah. you want to mention about season three before I get into some of the rants that I want to go on today about sports performance and some of the questions that I had? I think season three is going to be a great season. If you really enjoyed season two, like buckle in. Season three is going to go straight to the moon. So that's what I got to say about that one. I love it. We're going to freaking Mars, baby. All right. Go. I want to get cover a couple topics. These were some questions that I had in the past week um, in the sports performance around Marcus. If you ever have anything to chime in, chime in. Otherwise I can just riff through this. But the first one is I've, I, I've been implementing a red light in our training. Uh, I got a fountain in our gym. Uh, I don't know if you can hear it, but there's a, there's a fountain going on in the background and we have questions like well, what's happening at Yoakam strength. Like you guys like going to yoga, like what, what's happening in this world. And this is something that I wanted to, to branch off on and something that I've been thinking about a lot is, and this is from Dr. Tommy John. A lot of Dr. Tommy John stuff is great. He was a past guest on the podcast, but the via negativia approach to stimulus. And many people walk around all day without even noticing it with almost a nine out of 10 stimulus in their life. The, the lights that they're looking at, the, the blaring music in their uh in their ears that the TVs and shows that they're watching or the video games that they're playing. And it's always at that nine out of 10 level stimulus wise. When my athletes come here and when I try to live my life and what's something that I've really, really found helpful in my life is trying to get that unwanted stimulus that just kind of background stimulus drawn back to like a two or a three. 
And it, it's if you want to think about it in the 80-20 rule, it doesn't have to be taking over your entire life. It doesn't have to be something like we're focusing on everything. Obviously, you can. You, you can take those next steps, something that I've been doing. But just, just focusing on that background stimulus a little bit, rather than that blaring music, something that I've been doing and just kind of taking a step back on it, just doing no music at all, or just playing some piano music or something that in the background is just a little bit different, a little bit calmer, listening to natural noises, uh, like the fountain. One of the, the best things we have, we have athletes come in with that fountain and they're like, wow, it's like, it's different. Like it, it feels different in here and lowering that incredible level of background stimulus, lowering it down allows us to add stimulus that we want on. When, when an athlete comes to us, our goal is to add a high level of stimulus. So we create adaptation. But if their stimulus level is already full or already have a full gas tank, we just add more. Our athletes are just going to leave worn out, broken, and kind of in a level of like anger. And just there's too much happening in their heads and too much happening in their lives right now. And our goal is to lower that background stimulus and then increase the stimulus that we give them. So now we can actually see the adaptations that we want. And we talk about a little bit in my own personal life to where now I'm not an athlete and lowering that background stimulus. So I'm focused. Some of the stuff that I've been doing is wearing blue light glasses, uh, red light exposure, the fountain, lowering some of the, the high stimulus music, eliminating TV has been something that's been really big for me, eliminating TV and adding in reading as that stimulus and drawing back that level. I used to be the guy that listened to like hard rock music all the time, uh, which just blared in my ears. I would then drink a bunch of energy drinks, uh, watch a bunch of TV, play a bunch of video games. And my level was always so high, like everything I did and anything that was anything that took me over that stimulus level, anything that was just um, a nuisance in my life, like uh, I stub my toe or I do something like that. It takes me instantly over to a 10 and I'm instantly pissed. I'm instantly mad. My life is instantly like, I'm so angry. And now drawing that level of stimulus back, I'm much calmer throughout the day. My energy levels are great. And now something bad happens. And I think a great example of this actually is my car blew up on Saturday. My car blew up. If my car had blown up four years ago, I would have ruined my week. I would have been so angry. And now this the stress, the, the thing that pops up in my life, that car crashes, it, it's broken. I had 300,000 miles on it. It was going to break. It happened. I'm like, oh boy, yeah, this is about to happen. Started smoking. Car's done. Have to buy, drop like six grand on a new car this weekend. And it happened and it was a nuisance, but it brought my stress levels back up to where they were before rather to in the pre hard rock days, rather than taking me over to a 15 out of 10. So now I have that stress. I'm like, all right, this is annoying. This isn't great, but now we can handle it. We can, we can find a situation we we're going to be all right. Like it's not going to be the end of the world. And that's something that really hit me. I was like being proactive with my stimulus levels, being proactive with my stress levels by focusing on some of the stuff that I don't need to add in anyways, allows me to handle the bigger things. And now you, again, expand that to your athletes. You draw their initial stress levels back, and then you add the, the car crashing stimulus of that big barbell squat, of the big jumps that you want them to do. And now they adapt to it rather than break to it. And that's something that I really thought was interesting and something cool and something I want to continue to talk about in there. Marcus, you got anything that we want to uh, branch off on before we go into the next topic? I think what you said is um, right on the money too. Like just from what I've been doing a little bit personally, I've been trying to kind of disconnect a little bit more, not necessarily from video games or TV, just because that's like what I do to like in my free time that I really enjoy. But I've also been trying to implement small things around my day that I wasn't doing before to kind of bring my stress levels down as well and to make sure that I'm kind of resetting. So um, for instance, something that I do now is like every day before I have to go to class, I'll walk my dog for like 30 minutes. And I just take that walk and I'll put on my noise canceling headphones. And sometimes I listen to music, but like most of the time I don't. And I just kind of tone, like zone everything out, reset, like walk the dog and then take in, I don't know, you can feel like the winter winds a little bit more. It feels a little bit different when you're kind of focusing on it or like on a nice sunny day, even if it's like 30 degrees, if the sun is out, you can kind of feel the sun hitting you a little bit and it feels great. So just taking those moments to kind of reset is really beneficial in just a lot of ways. Yeah. So. And like you said, it, like it kind of eliminates the, the space. Like I, I view like my brain and I'm sure like neuroscientists out there are like, all right, dude, like stop talking about the brain. But I view the brain as there's only somewhat like you only have so much brain power. And if you're spending it all day 
on things that are ding, 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 ding. And I still have those. There's still days where it's like meeting, 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 session, meeting. And it's like, oh man, like I never entered a spirit state. Like I never got to a zero. But the days where I really allow myself to not spend spend brain power on things that I don't need to be spending brain power on. And it just opens your brain. And it's now it's like your brain has room for ideas. You know, like your brain wants to generate ideas. Your brain wants to generate things that will change the world. But most people don't allow room for it. So it's like that idea is trying to come in and the trash can's already full and it's just spilling over onto the ground and emptying, emptying that trash in your brain. And uh, we talk about meditation. We do a lot of those things, but trying to empty the stimulus, empty the brain so things can actually come in. And then you're like, oh, where'd that idea come from? That wasn't mine. And yeah, it wasn't yours. You just allowed it to come in. And I think that's something that's really cool. I could talk about that for days. One of the other questions that I got, and this is going to be a little bit of a 180 now to more sports performance is... Somebody asked me, how do I sprint with no space? And this is something that I wanted to bring up because it was, it was tough. It's always tough to answer questions on Instagram. It's like, yeah, it's like typing all this, but it's like, could be this, could be that. So I want to talk about how we sprint with no space. So my gym is like 600 square feet. If we sprint completely, I'm looking at it right now. If we sprint completely forward, you maybe got five yards of sprinting. Um, and we're in Minnesota, which is not great to sprint outside. It's very cold here. It's not, I hate it. I need to go somewhere warm. But the thing that I've been thinking about recently has been Minnesota winters create a natural block in your training cycle to work on things that you don't have to work on. And not that you don't have to work on, but now you're you're forced to be inside during these months. What can you do with that? So now we've forced ourselves to cut some of the sprinting stuff off. And how can we work on the base qualities of sprinting now? So one of the things that we've been doing a ton, instead of just continually sprinting, continually sprinting, never getting down to the base because we're always able to, now we're able to create rhythm with our athletes. We're able to work on some body awareness stuff with our athletes. One of the things that we have been doing is some rhythm bounds and it's actually super funny so we give our athletes like a beat so we'll go like one of the fun ones is like twinkle twinkle little star and like we're going through the beats um through there and they got to bound to that rhythm they got to keep the bit rhythm and can they do that and you have athletes that are very rhythm-based athletes and they're able to do it and it's like boom 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 and it looks super smooth and you have that athlete that's the force-based athlete somebody like me naturally and I struggle. I cannot get that to make sense in my head. And that's something that we've been really focusing on in the winter when we're not able to sp uh, sprint. Now we're creating that rhythm with our body. We're creating relaxation with our body. Um, we've been doing a lot of hops. And we've been doing a lot of positions where we're jumping in awkward positions and just trying to, and at roles especially have been something that I really like with our athletes is, can you jump off of something or jump over something and roll out of it and be relaxed? And the athletes that cannot relax in their sprinting form, and they're the tense athletes that every time, they also cannot relax in that role. So this is something that I've been trying to do is teach our athletes how to relax. So we roll and we all do it super basic over like a literally a six inch box. They'll jump off a six inch box and roll. And then we'll work our way up. And then by the end of it, they're jumping over like our 24 inch box and rolling out of it just like an action movie. But now they're getting they're one, they're able to bend their spine. And we talk about some of those things, but now they're able to hit the ground and relax and they understand what their body, how their body works with gravity. And then we transition those same kind of thought processes. We're working on creating learners, creating movers. And now we take that approach and we apply it to our sprinting when we're able to sprint in the summer. So that's kind of our approach with it. One of the things that I want to bring up in that regard is talking about creating the natural blocks. So in the winter, we're not able to sprint. We're not able to do those things, but we are able to be in the weight room. Now, if you want to think about that, now in the summer, we should spend way less time in the weight room because we spent way more time in the winter. So we should spend way less time in the summer in the weight room and way more time outside. And there's a ton of benefits for that. But that was one of the things is now the block forces you to spend this entire block indoors make sure you counteract that by spending the entire block as much as you can. If you're in a winter typed environment, spend as much time as you can in the summer outdoors. And that was kind of the balance. Anything that you want to add there, Marcus? No, I think you just said it all, man. Awesome. And the last little bit that I want to talk about, um, and I'm going to dive into this a little bit deeper, hopefully in a couple of weeks. Um, and I'll talk about with the guests that we want to have on, but creating a holistic thrower. This is something that I've been kind of diving into with a lot of, a lot of coaches around in my circle and bouncing points off of them. Um, 
and I want to contact, I want to hype it up a little bit, but we have a high level coach that I've taken a lot of, uh, a lot of ideas from that I'm working on getting on the podcast for hopefully one of our first guests that is really into this stuff. And I've taken a ton of stuff from him. So hopefully we can get him on the podcast. Um, but talking about creating a holistic thrower in the sport of football and in our environment-based games, we create holistic scores. We talk about creating holistic defenders. Um, we're evading, we're doing agility-based drills. We're doing these type of things. How do we create a holistic thrower? And that is one of the quarterback's main jobs and is one of the best and most important positions on the football field. And one of the things that I've been seeing is people talk about max outputs, max outputs of force into the ground. And I see throwing very much like I see sprinting. You cannot get the same central nervous system outputs any other way in the lower body at the same velocity as you do in sprinting in the weight room. You can't do it. And now we are trying to do the same thing with throwing. So I don't believe you can stimulate the central nervous system in a throwing manner in the same way other than actually throwing a ball. And now you have a football athlete. When you look at a football, a quarterback, they're training. When are they ever throwing max velocity? When are they actually working on the max outputs of their throws? You talk about quarterbacks that have awesome arms and almost all of them played baseball because when you watch baseball, they're doing long toss. They're doing some of these things. They're doing weighted ball throws. They're doing some stuff to work on max velocity throws. And I'm not even talking about different angle throws yet. And that's something that we really, really want to work on, but we're talking about max output throws. You watch a football practice, you break it down, maybe one day a week, you throw a couple deep balls. And even then the quarterback has to process so many things. It's not an actual max output throw. And in that regard, you're like, well, why does a max output throw matter than if he's never throwing it in a practice? And it's the, have the option to throw that max output throw. Something I talk about is it's not going to make a bet. Getting a quarterback, a better arm is not going to make them a better quarterback if they can't read the field. What we want to do is take that quarterback that can already read the field. They have a technical and tactical understanding of their sport. And now we increase their arm output ability and they're able to open up the offense. They're able to throw into different spots that they weren't able to throw into before. And that's something that we want to work with with our quarterbacks in this upcoming offseason that we're working with them through the COVID protocols is working on using our quarterbacks and treating them a little bit like MLB pitchers in a sense of throwing underweighted balls, overweighted balls, and really measure it. So we bought a pocket radar and we're going to measure all of these throws and really increase our max output of throwing. So now that quarterback that doesn't feel comfortable throwing from one hash to the other hash or um, like on a curl, now he can, he has the velocity. He already reads it. He knows what he's supposed to do. Again, that's not going to change that aspect of it, but now he has the option to throw there. He has the option to spread the field. And you look at the best QBs in the, in the NFL, they already have that option. And that's what we want to create with our athletes. And I just feel like it's not trained as much as it should be. We, we train them to, in our situation, we train them to avoid sacks. We train them to be shifty on the scramble and do all these things. But we never actually train the output of the arm. And that's something that's going to be different. and something I wanted to bring up on this first podcast. So when I talk about it later, it kind of makes sense. And Marcus said, that's all. That's the, that's the three points that I wanted to bring up. Uh, I think finishing this with uh, some Q&A that you have, you said you had one really good question that we want to talk about before we finish up this podcast. And then I think we're done for season, season three, episode one. Yeah. All right. Um, so I actually wrote down a few more than just the one. It was right before this podcast. I was thinking about things to ask. And so um, since we just got done talking about like more of the strength si- training side of things, I wanted to ask you, I guess, two questions about that. And um, the first one is going to be like, have you ever had a client that's like really fundamentally challenged the way that you had to coach? And like, how did you respond to that? If you did, how'd you pivot? Um, or I guess in a different way to ask that question, if you haven't had somebody that's like really challenged the way that you've coached, um, have you ever done a program for somebody that's changed the client in a way that you didn't personally expect? I think so. That's the two. So yes, to both. I think one of my main skill sets as a coach is the ability to adapt. I think I'm pretty good at being a chameleon of situations and not trying to be the hard ass. I have one of the issues that I continually battle is shutting off my ego. And I think that's when I was a young, like not young, I'm still young. When I was starting off in the strength conditioning field, I had the ego of wanting to prove. And I think I've done a really nice job of trying to shut that off and now being a chameleon. But I think that ego part still comes back up. And it's when it puts me and another alpha athlete into a room 
that there is a little bit of an issue. And now I think we do a really nice job and that's where they challenge. And what I try to do is like have every athlete challenge me. Um, and that's what I love, like talking to him. I, Alex Proctor is a guy that we have come in every day. And he is like that alpha, like he wants to be able to lead. He wants to be able to do this stuff. And he challenges everything and not in a challenge sense of like, we're getting in fights. He's like, why are we doing this? Like, what is this for? What are we doing? And it's awesome. Cause it really, it's like, why are we doing this? I talked to him some of the stuff, like there's a phenomenal meaning behind it. And he's like, ah, yeah, I like that. And then he, he just does it and we do it. And some stuff it's like, why are we doing that? Like, is there a reason if there's not, then let's cut that off. You're completely right. Like let's cut it off or two. There is a reason I just didn't have a great enough answer. So now I'm going to dive back in to get you that answer. And I think that's one of the coolest parts. And I love that question is trying to have all my athletes challenge me. It's, it's honestly the athletes that just kind of, I have a couple athletes that just kind of do what I say. And it's like, well, that's not fun. Like I challenge it. Like maybe you don't like it. Maybe you do like it. And then putting them in, in situations in which they do start to challenge. So like, I'll, I'll start to push them a little bit. Like, all right, let's do this. Let's do this. And then they're like, no, I'm like, ah, there we go. We caught that. Why are you saying no? What are we doing? So yes. Um, try to have every athlete do that. Secondly, you talked about an athlete responding much differently than, than the program has required. And this is something that we had a guy, this is something that the, the coolest thing that I've seen in my training and he had a Twitch. So he came in and he had a super bad Twitch where he's twitching right side, twitching right side constantly. Um, and the Twitch happened when he was nervous. Uh, and I, I noticed that first day he came in, he's introducing. So he's nervous. His first time in the gym, he's doing it. And he had this constant Twitch, uh, right side Twitch, just moving. Uh, and he had it when he ran too. Um, especially if we would record any of his runs, he, he would get stiff and he would Twitch to the right side and it was super interesting. We worked with him, we got him stronger. And this was this, uh, this kid's first exposure to a real, he's lifted before, but this was a real sports performance. First time he's been on an actual program, nothing off bodybuilding.com. And the Twitch went away and the Twitch went away with his confidence growing. And it was the coolest thing to see. He stopped twitching. He see, stopped doing it in his running. He, he got more confident in his running. He stopped doing it. Uh, he added muscle and he was confident and he was like, talk, it was like, you want to talk at all to start. And then he started talking shit to the other guys in a like group, which is like really, really cool to see. And he came out of his shell and it eliminated like this neurological, like kink in his system because he was super nervous and stress was getting to him, almost like lowering that stress level. Now he, he elevated himself and he leveled himself up to a point to where he's still nervous. Cause I asked him like, are you still nervous? Um, we, we brought in new athletes. Like you still, he's like, yeah, they're still nervous. And some, I don't know what that athlete does, but now he's leveled up his body and leveled up his mind to a point to where that, that Twitch isn't there anymore. Uh, the nervousness is still there, but he's leveled himself up to the point where it doesn't take him into the fight or flight Twitch mode, which I thought was, it blew my mind. I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. That, that's such a cool story to listen to, man. I, I'm, I don't know. That's really, really awesome. Um, and listening to that, I, I think, what I was getting out of it was, um, obviously you mentioned that you want your clients to challenge you and stuff. And in this like specific scenario, um, the client was really challenging himself and was able to overcome like an obstacle like that. And that's really incredible. Um, and I know that at the very end of each episode that we do, we always have those rapid fire questions where we talk about just different things like legacy and all that jazz. But one of my favorite questions from that is about books. And we talk about like books that the coaches are reading. That's kind of helping them out in their, um, in their field. And so I wanted to talk to you and ask what's something, what's a book that you've read? Um, and it doesn't have to necessarily be strength training focused that's challenged you as a person or challenged the business, um, challenged like anything. And like, what was the big takeaway from the book for you personally? Oh, this is easy. I've been talking about this a lot. Uh, and I, I actually bought like seven copies of this book and handed it out to everybody that I could. Like I have zero copies in the left now because I've handed it out to like literally the first person that would take one, but it, it's awareness. And this book was recommended to me to a by a podcast guest, Austin Einhorn. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, the most philosophical book that makes you really question everything in your life. It, uh, I gave it to my buddy, Mark Dello, who we've also had on the podcast and he brought the book in and he's not a reader. This is the first book I've actually got on the read that I suggested. And he walked in and he's like, dude, and I'm like, what? He's like that fucking book. And I'm like, yeah, I, I told you like that, but it blows your mind. It shatters the illusion of what's actually happening in your life. It shatters uh, one of the really cool lines. He talks about how, the everything that you need is within you and, and you, you just don't want to go within you because it's painful to go within you and it's painful to not see 
why the answers aren't there right there for you. And you distract yourself. So you distract yourself with people. You distract yourself with activities. You distract yourself with everything that takes you away. And you try to find the happiness externally. You try to find the fulfillment externally when it's all within who you are. And one of the cool things is, and he mentions this in the book, talking about how it's not, people aren't mean to you. People are not making you sad. People are not doing this, that you are doing that to yourself. You are taking that person's reaction to you and you are getting mad over it. People are doing that and you are feeling embarrassed over that. That's on you. And he also says, but people also can't build you up. So if you are, you think you're tough, you're doing all this stuff, but somebody tells you a good job and you get a dopamine hit and you feel great and you're like, yeah, I'm on top of the world. You are equally as controlled. And the whole point is not allowing yourself to be controlled by other people's thoughts, other people's emotions. It's all internal and it's bringing awareness. One of the coolest things that I've taken from that now is before I walk into a room and it sounds as weird as it can, I grab, grab the ground on my feet. I grab the door. I feel it. And literally in my head, I say, I'm awake. I'm here. And then I walk into the door and we talk about being in the moment. I think that brings that up a little bit. Is this, I'm here. I'm in this moment. I'm not thinking about something else. I'm not controlled by something else. This is who I am. This is who I want to be. Let's do it. And we have this conversation. I do whatever I do when I walk in that room, but it just resets and brings you into the moment. It's the coolest book. Anybody that listens to it is literally going to shatter your perception of life and the world around you, but shatter it in the best way possible. That's perfect, man. Um, And yeah, those are the the biggest questions that I got. I, I like, I think what I really liked about this episode in particular was just kind of talking about personal growth towards, especially like the end, um, listening to you talk about like the, how you work as a coach, um, listening about that client story. Um, and then having these books, I think books are such a great medium for us to kind of see and evaluate ourselves and kind of challenge ourselves personally. And I don't know, I, I think in a lot of ways, books, whether they're books that are nonfiction that are like specific to a field that you're trying to work in, or maybe it's more of like a self-help book, or even if it's just like a fictional book, those books, like, it's such an interesting medium that really helps us grow as people. And so that's just what I like about them. Yeah. And I think I read this tweet the other day, but it's like, people talk about like, they don't have time for books. They don't have time for podcasts. It's like, that is, it's literally the masters of the masters of the masters of the world. If you are reading the right books and listening to the right podcast, you have access to the greatest minds that have ever been on this planet and their thoughts are right in front of you for you to highlight, for you to read, for you to digest, for you to live your life like them. You have time for that. I promise you, you have time for that. And that's just something like it's there. The keys to success are there. The keys to the life that you want to live are there. The keys to happiness are there. Are you grabbing the keys and doing it? Are you walking away and then bitching about them not being there? And I think that's like, as tough as that sounds, like it's the truth. And I think just getting more people to realize that truth is really, really important. Me too, man. Boom. Well, season three, podcast one is done. Marcus, thank you for being on. Thank you for having me, Austin. Keep shopping wood. Check out our new intro. Let's go to Mars. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.